Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Pat Graham of the band Big Nothing. We talked about Oscar's 2001 album, Idol Will Kill, and about growing out of pop punk, but also realizing that it's a big part of your identity. We also chat about Pat's other band, Sprainerd, and touch on Jade Tree Records, which we talk about in a previous episode with Evan of the band Superweek, so check that out. Big Nothing released their album Dog Hours recently on Lamo Records. Check that out on the internet or pick it up from Lamo. Hey, if you like what we do on the main feed, then please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. It really sincerely helps and keeps us doing this thing. So we appreciate your support. So check that out. Okay, no delays. Let's chat with Pat. Hey, Pat. How's it going? It is going really well. I got my coffee... Uh, I got my freaking bud, dude. Actually, I was tripping before we jump in. Uh, the fact that we don't know each other, we've never met, right? Um, or am I just being a well, huge dick? Okay, no, I think we have met, but in a different situation. Okay, there was a time that I went on tour with Mike Bell in the movies, mm-hmm. and I think when we got to Florida. There was like a big show. Oh, so it was like one of those. Bands. A fest so, show. Yeah. So it wouldn't be. And I think I like sold Algernon's merch oh. for that. So it's like, no, we haven't. But, and this is where I guess someone in my own bit, I think we might have played a show together. That's the thing. But I don't remember where. Okay, cool. As long as it's not. So it's on me. Dude, too. Yeah. As long as it's two sided. Because I was like, like, you know, uh, educating myself on this podcast, like, oh, all my friends have done this. And I was like, surely I met this dude. And then did my Instagram stalking as I as people do, and was like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> I was like, that's so weird. Yeah. In in this, especially in this like scene, it's just bizarre to have so many cross paths and then not have done it yet. Yeah, know? I'm like the Forrest Gump. Of, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, whatever the scene <laughs> is, <laughs> I was gonna say uh, DIY, f- but I don't. I didn't want to use that the Forrest term. Gump of complete losers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so okay so we're not talking about forrest gump today uh we are talking about oscar's 2001 album idol will kill that came out on epitaph records it's their second and final album and what i'll ask is when was the first time you either listened to this record or oscar in general um i have like a pretty vivid i mean it's probably romanticized at this point but i have a pretty vivid memory of like laying in my bed after I'd bought Punkarama six. Um, and, Oh, actually I think it was like, give them the boot or something. Like I had bought like Punkarama six and give them the boot three, maybe both epitaph mm-hmm. compilations at uh, hot topic, of course. And I think strangled was on, give them the boot, um, which was like the second song on the record. And, that was definitely the first time I had heard them at all. And they were one of the first bands where I like had that experience of like compilation to researching feverishly of like trying to find where they were. And then I think I got treatment five, their first album first. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I was already, I was definitely like, you know, I was getting into a lot of music at the time, but that was like one of the many records where I was like, okay, this is like my thing now. And then it took me a few years to be like, I'm going to listen to this second record or like, you know, explore it a little more. And then that was like, there's something about this record that doesn't exist without the first record not being as good. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. this, the, the jump from treatment five, their first album to this was like, just so absurd. Like the wildest um, maturation. How do you say that word as a, of a band I've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're like, very pop punk yeah. in the sense of like actually I was speaking to I don't know if you know Joe from Hurry. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um and just the idea it's like when you tell someone you like pop punk <laughs> it's like, you know, and you don't want to be like you that pop pop punk, but it's like the the kind of lane that you're yeah. in. And I guess I'm I'm speaking for me and Joe and I think it's the same <laughs> totally. with you. It's like it's it really depends on the person yeah totally and it's like it's clear it's like fully this lane of pop uh-huh. that i was indoctrinated indoct- upon totally as a kid so it's like when someone tells me they like whatever they want to insert there it's like it's like that's fine but this is it yeah yeah well that's what's you know, so that it's so weird and like it only makes sense to folks in our lane that like treatment five to me is like kind of a it's a great like skate punk like album. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a great fun skate punk album, but also like Idol Will Kill is like this like masterpiece. And yeah, to somebody mm-hmm. who like my aunt would be like, These are both pop punk or whatever. These are both just like punky bands. And I'm like, No, these are so yeah. different, you know, like but it is that specific lane that it's like here they were kind of trying some different things and it's like to most people it's like, No, this is just wild fast punk. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like wh- my, I think my recollection going into this was definitely more with like Treatment Five, yeah. and then even more so, not even Treatment Five as a record. It's just like all of its appearances across comp. Dude, it was like you were it saying. was comp era yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Punkorama Four, I believe, is what like All Right was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just any of that, it's like. It's like thinking about it, I'm like, was I a fan of pop punk or just compilations yeah. at the time? Dude, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so I I go back and I still listen to those compilations like as if they're my favorite record, you know, like as if they're one band. And it's yeah. just so funny because there are songs on there where if I listen to the band, it's I hate it. <laughs> but like in the context yeah. of that comp, I'm like, Oh yeah, this sick like new metal country song <laughs> or whatever you know like yeah yeah because it's like such a it'll kind of give you a reprieve from the one song to the next like when you're listening to uh, like short songs for short oh my people, god it's yeah. like you know it's all about that flow totally. but it's like i wouldn't put on whatever it yeah. is you know like i i think the for the longest time and still like i don't listen to guar like yeah often, yeah but it's like guar song was awesome on totally that, you totally know, as, you know like a 12 or 13 year old or i whatever. can't count how many bands are on that one that i like like i probably like in conversation i'm like yeah i love that band and i've like only yeah. <laughs> only heard that song like there's yeah, yeah. But that, yeah. like it's like i told myself that i was like a offspring fan i think mm. because of mm-hmm. that you know their hand grenades yeah so. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i still i actually yeah i've gotten a, that conversation a lot of times where i'm like i don't this band is so weird like this is a goofy silly band 
and we all were like, "The Offspring rocks." And I go back, and I'm like, "What is this? Why did we all listen to this?" Yeah, it's like Smash Mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, like there was also things like the go kart, uh, oh yeah, comps, and then like hopelessly devoted to you, dude. Bring it um, back. That was man. such a great time. Yeah. Like, imagine being a band at that time, <clears throat> and even when like like CDs are falling off, like you know, like your main releasing albums is still difficult like it was beginning to get really difficult but then also these comps are like basically keeping all these bands on tour you know like i would go to warp tour because of those comps and just be like oh i can't wait to see these bands you know like but i wouldn't buy their albums so it's just a weird like yeah there must have been so many bands who are like thank god for this comp because otherwise like yeah be... i don't even remember buying the comps. no they would just be like, around I feel like i just had they're at pack sun they were at hot topic uh they hand they handed them out everywhere but yeah i had all i had like a hundred of the like there was one with like 10 sugar cult songs and i remember having like we were using them as coasters i remember like my like weird friend would use them as like their his drink coasters i'm like where do we we none of us like sugar cult but we all like heard that one song (laughs) it's so weird yeah it's a weird time there were I remember, yeah, the amount of CDs that you would kind of get for free, mm-hmm. like, if we didn't like the CD, we would take it and put it, like, in our book bags, and we went, like, skateboarding. We yeah. would grind on, yeah, yeah. You know, on a ledge. Put it on the ledge and be like, fuck you, 311. So crazy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so, yeah, you used so. to just do heinous things to CDs. All those AOL CDs you get, I was like, dude, what a wasteful time. And now they're all just gone. The f- yeah. The feeling of just cracking one in half, and, you know, just kind of like, then it's just like a little knife on the ground mm-hmm. yeah they were know. dangerous but they were pretty <laughs> but but so did you end up getting to see oscar no no i was like well i honestly i i should have done more research before this but i don't know much about like their history as a band but i think they were broken up by the time i was like finally into them like i think they were yeah. done by like oh three or something oh yeah, I think that Maybe um, it said <clears throat> there was a YouTube video that said, it was like Epitaph, but it was funny because it was like actually an Epitaph video, but everything was super pixelated. Cause even, and so it's like even Epitaph didn't have good files oh, of Oscar yeah. stuff, you know, which I'm like, not really surprising. <laughs> but um, it, so they were a band from 98 to 2002, and I believe Treatment 5 came out the year before well, Idol Will. Okay, kill. that's like my main, that's what's so fascinating to me, like... Of course, I, I think a lot of the reason I've, like, stayed with Idol Will Kill being one of my favorite albums is, like, they are have they are a mysterious band, straight up. Like, mm-hmm. they have Treatment 5, like, it's this ripper punk record, and then a year later, they release this, like, crazy, like, this, Idol Will Kill goes everywhere. And it's, like, yeah, for does. me, I don't understand as a person who writes a lot of records and has been a, a part of a lot of records, like, I don't understand how they did that, like... I, I like Devin, the, the singer, the like song, main songwriter. He's somebody I've tried to like follow through the internet over the years. I know he worked at like Amoeba Records, maybe still does in uh, Hollywood. Uh, and like he just has like kind of encapsulated this like mysterious songwriter thing for me where I just don't understand what he was doing. Like they were on tour all the time too after Treatment 5. So it's like when did they have time to work these songs out? Because it's like... I imagine like tr- like teaching the band how to be a different band essentially like there are moments on that record where it's like they're exploring shit that like bands who are bands for 10 years have to figure out you know like 
It's yeah. just bizarre. It's yeah. a crazy record. It feels like a record that definitely when it, when it, even when it starts with like patience, uh-huh. it's like yeah, you feel when you said songwriter, that's like the best way of yeah. putting it, and that feels like a term that people <clears throat> wouldn't really put on any like pop punk artist. But it's like this is a songwriter album. Totally, like, it's like it feels like it's just completely his thing. So it's like if if Epitaph Money was a thing, mm-hmm. which I assume in two thousand and one it was, yeah. It feels like it's like he's showing. You know, it's the best representations of him showing it to the band for the first time. Totally, because a lot of it is that format of like I'll play, you play along with. Yeah, him. and they do things with that where it's like bass only, and he's singing, and that kind of you know kind of three piece dynamic thing. Oh my god, but I always like forget they're a three piece too. That's so <laughs> which is so wild cool. for, uh, yeah, and but yeah, it's like a it's essentially a songwriter <laughs> album yeah. by, a, you know, a guy that. You know, might have been wearing Jinkos. Totally, time. yeah. I mean that yeah. that's a good way of kind of looking at it is that like Treatment Five, I think, was them. You know, the classic like they were a band for a year or two. They like learned they had a yeah. hundred kind of stockpile. Yeah, of yeah. Songs they had twenty songs ready or whatever, and then yeah, Idol Will Kill. Maybe he was like, all right, I'm gonna write all this and came with all of it for them because it's like I just yeah, it's such a wild. And then they break up, so it's like this weird like wild moment of like. You know, I think a lot of bands have touched a lot of bands before them and after them have touched on what they were doing. Like there's it's not like Oscar is like the most like singular band ever. But I also do think they are. (laughs) There's like something about Idol Will Kill that like for me personally, it's influenced me so much over the years that like I feel like I can hear it everywhere. But as its own album, I'm like, this is a wild piece of like unique songwriting i don't know and it's like it's almost like he was like evolving into whatever he's doing now like this like he does like mostly like alt country kind of like more based in like old folksy country but like he that's that kind of makes sense if you think about like step that's the thing i think like two or three years after this album he he started doing a a project called fingers cut mega machine very like you know it was of that era where everyone had like a hundred names words in their name yeah but he started doing that and it was like straight up slide guitar like you know folksy wow. songwriting kind of like but it also kind of fell into like the radio friendly version of it all um hmm. it kind of yeah but it kind of made sense because it was like he went from this like i think he was just getting out of punk but still wrote this like distorted guitar album but yeah. but it also there's moments where i'm like this is like doesn't who would write this you know there's no like there's barely any like real power chords on it there are all these like seven chords and like just weird moments that i'm like this dude was intentionally doing something and i don't even know what he was going for but yeah it feels like one of those rec i I love those kind of transitional records Mm -hmm. like where people are oftentimes whatever they grow into it's like i'm not always interested in but like that kind of thing that kind of has warts on Mm -hmm. it you know like uh a lot of like kind of mid 80s or late 80s records that were kind of like trying to figure out a sound that you know like bands that were kind of going from like tsol as an example you know like there there was a time frame where it's like they were doing like you know dance of death kind of era stuff you know it's like faster punk of the time and then it's like they start getting gothy but then eventually that goes into you know, kind of like a hard rock yeah. thing. And it's like that, you're like, eh, I don't want. But the in-between is always interesting. You know, And those are records I like to look back yeah. on. And this feels like one, like, you know, like Dag Nasty has Wig Out of Dankos or even like 
like field day is a you know it's a it has moments you know but it's like but i appreciate it for that because i think that someone can look at it and go oh i see what you were doing yeah and technically you could say that we the next person does it better but it's like if the if the photograph never existed or the artwork never existed and someone couldn't improve improve totally totally so idol will kill feels like you know it's like oh i can make a better painting of Uh this but this is still i guess we'll say in quotes the first time it was done yeah it feels like one of those things yes it's wild and it goes in so many spots i was thinking as you're talking i was thinking of like a, a wild like side by side thing you can do of that is like lifetime and saves a day. I always think about those two yeah. bands. Cause I'm like lifetime perfected this, like, you know, they first they in like invented a genre essentially. And then they really perfected it and just like kept doing it. It was like their most recent album, which now it was, is what like 12 years old or something. But yeah. that album I think is their best shit. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best thing they've ever done. Cause they're just like, we're going to perfect this thing. But then you look at saves the day who their first album is just a lifetime album, like in in yeah. no creative way at all. <laughs> and yeah. but then they like were like, let's kind of advance past that. And it like created this really cool thing, you know, where they're like exploring Beatles territory, which I think is kind of where Oscar falls is like he clearly was like a snotty punk. Then they kind of evolve into this like I think I would I'm like I also know that like while they were a band there was like a dynamic of him hating punk. Like there's like videos of them on tour with Guttermouth and there's not a lot of live videos of them, but that's one of the few. <clears throat> and he's just like insulting Guttermouth the whole time. They're like, well, they're opening in hindsight. Yes. Yes. He's of right. course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why anybody was like Guttermouth. I mean, they were, they had some <laughs> ripping tracks, but that's about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's just like clearly, you know, like, which is a, a, a dynamic you see a lot of like these genius songwriters whenever they play shows basically looking at the crowd and being like, I hate you is ba- like, you know, that yeah. happens all the time, especially in DIY. We don't have to go down that road, but I just have yeah. a lot of like, you know, peers who are like, Oh my God, what are we doing? Like we thought we would be the Beatles and we're still stage diving, which is, you know, a weird conundrum. Cause it's not like we don't like stage diving, but it's like when you, g- I think he was like, okay, I'm ready to be a songwriter and not just like a skateboarder. And it is this weird like transition that you have to face, but that's like a beautiful example of it. Idol will kill. Like the evidence of it is great. I wonder if because like when you look at like Treatment Five and how many compilations it's featured on, you know, I could simply be wrong, but it doesn't feel like like this album had those kind of legs. No, and I actually am curious because the only song like strangled is the song i would see everywhere i think it was on a couple albums and that song is probably the most treatment five-esque song on the album like it's it sounds like a pop punk you know skate ripper song so i do think there was probably a lot of pushback like i feel like at the time epitaph was probably bummed on the album and they only it wasn't on vinyl i don't since i actually don't even know if they pressed it on vinyl in the first place because it was like that era, you know, where it, it probably didn't sell. Mm. And they only recently, within the last like four years, brought it back for like one pressing, which like me and all the people I text about Oscar were like, yo, but then it just, I think it's gone again. And it just is like this weird, it's mysterious in the catalog of Epitaph as well. And like, 
yeah. to the point where I've, you know, talked to some folks that work at Epitaph and like they barely know anything about Oscar. Like they're like, oh, yeah, that you, you like that album. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like what? It's it's that's what it's it's only grown over the years for me where I'm like, damn, this record. And even for to prepare for this, I went back and listened to the whole thing, which I haven't done in a minute was like, I fucking love this album. It's just like truly it's a freak. It's like such a freak ass album that is so catchy and weird. And I don't know. There's just weird, weird thing. I don't remember what we were saying, but damn, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I guess one thing I was noting of it, like, and I feel like it's a comment on every episode. Uh, it's just like the thing I would take away from it that I don't like is that it's 44 minutes. Oh my long. God. I feel it's like it's so necessary, yeah. but it's also like, you know, I think there are things you could cut totally. from this, and I think it would still have the same feeling because where it's like I understand what he was doing and kind of the movements that it's kind of going through throughout the album, but then it's like kind of ends up being like whenever there's almost pseudo acoustic yeah, songs, totally. you know, like his version of it, it's like then there might be like three of yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, you know, come on. Well, that's kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the wild thing about it too is because like, Every song, almost every song, I think there's like two songs on the whole album that follow like a regular structure, like a, you know, tried and true structure. But almost every song does this like, it's almost like they were trying to go for like an like a rock opera kind of thing. Like every song does this like weird, like it drops out and then an acoustic starts coming back in. And then like there's this weird tempo change. And it's just like the whole album is such like a like it's dramatic it's like this weird dramatic mm-hmm. but in the context of these three people playing pop punk so it's like it there's a lot of moments where it is like he's pulling his putt a little bit because you're like what is going on like but then every yeah. part is dope <laughs> so it's like this weird yeah, yeah. juxtaposition where as a songwriter i'm like frustrated but then as like a hook freak i'm like yes give me that next thing dude <laughs> like which i yeah. i can only imagine recording and writing this album was a nightmare for the rest of the band because it seems like you like you were saying it does seem like he was the orchestrator and just like i don't know i would love to know more but i think he just it feels like he just was like we're doing this we're not cutting anything like or yeah, it, yeah it's totally like a person's vision mm-hmm. it feels like or it could have been yeah. who knows maybe it was an hour originally <laughs> like it's crazy but yeah, yeah it is it's yeah. very long i kept being like every every song that came on i was like yes dude i forgot about this one but then by the end i'm like and i forgot about this one yeah dude <laughs> you know like <laughs> this one's cool yeah. too yeah. i have like shit to do uh <laughs> but uh so i guess like then do you think you could look at the track listing and like cut a couple you know yeah there was one let me pull up the track listing there was one like it's tor- it's always towards the end, you know. My my personal opinion yeah. <clears throat> on every album is song 13 can go, you know. Almost every time the 13th song is where bands really let it go. But that mm-hmm. going on the instincts for the Oscar album is so it's such a good song. It's Yeah, that's a so great song good. and then Disconnect Disconnect is That like was maybe <clears throat> the best song. The I think. Like it's yeah, like cuz I was like I was I mean, it seems easy to say strangled, but I was like either going to say it was strangled or disconnect. disconnect yeah, were the two best. On yeah, the yeah. The, I I think kinetic is also a huge song for that record, but it's five minutes. But it like you know has this like crazy intro, but that's like you know that's where I like a five minute song when you can pull that off. 
I think like the little like group between kinetic and disconnect or where I'm like, I, they kind of lose me. Like I couldn't, I don't think mm. I could sing those songs right now, but then if they're on, yeah, I, they're not popping in my, but head. if they're on, like, I'll uh, be like, yes, I think out of touch is kind of like popping in my head. <clears throat> so maybe I would keep yeah. that one, but it's like, then it really it's like, thir- yeah, like you were saying 13 is too much and it's not the 13th track per yeah. se, but it's like, if you cut, two from this record it's like i think it may have been remembered yeah more. And, I, and i say that as someone ha- that puts out records that really genuinely no one likes so <laughs> so if anyone from oscar is yeah, listening guys. to this i don't this is just a thought experiment. i think i'm playing fantasy football i here. think i figured it out yeah. you guys <laughs> here's why this didn't do well yeah <clears throat> i was kind of sorry i'm just do we i still got the morning phlegm i've never done this Hold on. Yeah, did we note that uh, we are doing this podcast at 9 a.m., which is not a thing that I do ever for spinning out. I also, I Uh, also kind of dig it though. I don't know about you. It's not too bad because, like, sometimes I feel like I do a podcast. Like, it's like I oftentimes, for the most part, I schedule them at like 6:30 during the week. Yeah, you know, because it's like I got off work, I got a little time to like walk my dog, I come home, set in. But it's like. My brain is gone. But yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like I woke up with all of these ideas and all of my brain cells are firing. But, you know, but then also my body is like <laughs> trying to get the, the coffee. I'm, the, I'm a, thing. I'm but a fan of yeah. the early morning thing. I get a lot of like I often I get tattoos and I'm always like, can you do like 7 a.m.? And they're like, what, what are you talking like? But oh, I just okay. so so. Do you normally wake up around? I time? don't. I just like to like. It's almost <laughs> like a. Uh, I I'm so bad at waking up. So it's almost like I I I try and like book stuff early, so I have to get up. You know, like okay. like today I like set my alarm for eight and woke up at like quarter to nine. I was like fuck fuck fuck. But it at least like <laughs> it at least got me up. You know, it's that's my that's my vibe. Yeah, I like getting up early, but I don't like doing anything early. So then it ends up being kind of pointless, but it's almost like, and it's not like I have kids or anything. Right. It's just like, it's like kind of a time to yourself. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll sit there and just kind of stare at a wall yeah. you know, or something. But, I'll go, you know, it's just I'll go like through spurts. that you don't normally I'll have. go through spurts yeah. where I'm like waking up at seven and I love it. It is sick. Like, and it's, it's funny because I do the same shit I would do as if it's like 4 p.m., which is watch Frasier or whatever, you know, like. I'm just like, I'll watch some more TV, but it's sick. It's yeah. nice to have that little minute. Um, yeah, I've been doing, um, if I get up early and my brain feels like it go. wants to engage enough, I've been watching Murder, She Wrote. Oh, hell yeah. That's that's a good, I've yeah. been watching Golden Girls, which is a similar vein, for sure. We did it. We did all of Golden nice. Girls last nice, year. Nice, dude. And Golden Palace just got put on Hulu, but I, we watched a couple episodes on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah, hell yeah. So. What a great show. There's like, it's so funny how so sitcoms, good. I'm a big sitcom head. Like I'll, it does not matter what it is. I'll like, I'll watch an entire sitcom. Um, and my partner and my roommate both are like, they'll come walking through the living room, like with zero interest, just like ignoring me while I'm watching, like just shoot me or something for the hundredth time. And golden girls and cheers are the two sitcoms that they've both stopped and been like, Yo, this is good. Like they've like you know in Cheers. Is oh, it's so amazing, good. obviously. But like in the two minutes that they're walking by, they're just like, "Whoa, I like want to watch this." And it's like it's funny that 
sitcoms as much as they seem like this like repetitive formula and are a repetitive formula like there is a magic to some of them you know like and golden girls and cheers are both like these sitcoms that like are meant to be more than kind of like idol will kill by oscar they're (laughs) they're like you know they're meant to be more than like just this like silly formula that's that most people are like i don't know you 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 get what i'm saying that 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 is a unique comparison and um that that is funny i feel like i never it's like sitcoms are the (laughs) pop punk of entertainment yes Um, and that's why i take it in baby yeah um because it's like you're not asking for it to be a lot you know, and, and and I mean that in like the most comforting. Yeah, way. yeah. You know, I I keep saying these things like the guy from Oscar is gonna listen to this. Yeah, Devin's like, pissed. Like right it's now. like he was just like fuck you. I man. think he is um, like a bitter, bitter man. From what I've heard, he's like a bitter <laughs> punk dude. That if he does hear this, will be mad. <laughs> Which yeah. it's all love, but, baby. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I love. I mean, I love Cheers. But one uh, thing I'll mention about Cheers is I feel like the show got better once it got past the sam and diane totally because that goes on for so <clears throat> yeah, long totally in the totally show. and it kind of starts going into almost like well what i mean if someone's older they may appreciate that more but i feel like it starts being recognized as like a more modern form of com- sitcom sure, comedy sure. when like kirstie alley comes yeah. on you know so those like really you're like oh hang out for till like the fifth season totally. then it gets really yeah good. yeah yeah but it does. It's almost like the first four or five seasons are more like of a nostalgic feeling of like they were tapping into like the romance that like MASH or something kind of has of like, you know, like these people in a bar and what they're really all about and like their dynamics. But then the comedy of it like really hypes up around there where, yeah, like Kirstie Alley's chilling and I, there's just like it's almost like uh uh the crossover i'm curious of the crossover of cheers and seinfeld like were they ever on at the same time i think they were at the well the tail end of cheers and the beginning of seinfeld because it does kind of start feeling Seinfeld. well that's what i i kind of trip on like seinfeld obviously is an incredible show but also like reinvented the way people make sitcoms like i trip on the fact that like cheers and like all the sitcoms before it like those people were just expected to do that for like 20 years. It's like you sign on to a sitcom yeah. and you're just expected to like churn this stuff out. Like sitcoms used to be much more like a radio program almost of just like, okay, people tune in and they're going to tune in forever. And just like, it's part of their family. Whereas like Seinfeld kind of reinvented the thing of like, let's just be super funny. And it doesn't have to be this like mushy gushy, like you're learning a lesson. And like, it, it I don't know. Seinfeld was the first time where you like, loved the the like i don't like the people like you believed that those people were those people and like you were like they're just so funny and i want to watch them be funny and like i think all the other sitcoms were like oh we don't have to be on for a hundred years we can just like make a very good show you know like it's almost like a quantity over quality thing like old sitcoms i feel like we're more like if we just make a hundred episodes a year then people will watch because like we can tackle everything but seinfeld it was like oh if we make every episode amazing we only have to do seven or eight eight seasons or whatever you know yeah there's there's a thing looking back at cheers up early cheers episodes especially there'll be a thing where someone walks onto the screen and then everyone cheers and and i'm like (laughs) and i'm like it will not even like the main characters it'll be like i guess there'll be like people that people would have identified in like the mid 80s sure 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 it's like 
and you're like, I don't know who that is. I have no concept. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I think that guy went on to be a night court, which I oh, barely yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, night court is like, one of those ones I've never scratched the surface, <laughs> but it does seem connected to every sitcom that I love. I like hear about night yeah. court. I also do think there was like a weird punk worship of night court. Like, yeah, there's there like a weird yeah. crossover. Like a lot of my sitcom, like love comes from like these silly pop punk bands, like talking about tv and all their songs and i'm like yeah there was like a weird night court romance in like the fat wreck zone i don't know i need to go well, back night court is coming back have you heard i've about vaguely that? heard about it i don't know much about it so i i mean i guess it'll have john larroquette and larroquette in it but yeah it's just so strange the kind of revival thing so i guess then we're due for another Pop punk, revi- <clears throat> pop punk revival of this time. Oh my! Do you think we'll get? Well, that? my friend was. Ju- we were. We have like this group chat. Group chat going of like all of our all like our early twenties friends who went to shows together, and we have like, we were just chatting about how like Y two K is like super back in style right now. Like the the furniture, mm-hmm. the fucking aesthetic of everything is Y two K right now. So we were like, the swoopy hair thing is coming back like any minute. Like, and I think it is gonna come back hard. Like. You have that fest coming up, the When We Were Young fest, and I'm like, I think that is yeah. going to spawn, like, the early 2000s pop punk of, like, these pop punk skate kids who are, like, existing amidst, like, screamo or, like, mainstream emo, whatever you want to call it. Like, I do think it's going to come back. I th- And, like, I watch, like, when I go to, like, the few shows I still go to in Philly where I don't know any of the bands, like, the, the young kids love just, like, pop punk. <laughs> they love, like they still love my chemical romance and they still like are ready. It's like almost like all of them are marrying like my chemical romance and like, uh, uh, I don't know, indie right now, like snail mail. And like, there's a lot of that kind of vibe of like clean guitars, but they're like loving old early two thousands screamo and stuff. So did you have that experience with like a point that you kind of like cut off pop punk and not necessarily let you stop listening to it? Like, because for me, I feel like I didn't give like My Chemical Romance a totally. chance because it was like I already had this like codified version that this was what it was. Like it was, you know, Screech and Weasel, Weston, sure, you know, sure, anything sure. that, you know, Oscar, yeah. the, any of the punkarama yeah, bands, you yeah. know. Uh, but going back to a thing you said earlier, it's like I would listen to Down by Law on punkarama uh-huh. comp, but I would never really like sit and listen to Down <laughs> yeah. by Law. But back to what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. Um, like so did you have a cutoff there did it, does it go later i guess than me i think as far as like mainstream pop punk i don't know i definitely do have a cutoff for sure i never had my chemical romance like they were not a band for me but like they were definitely a band that when i was 13 getting into everything or 12 or whatever like i hated them like i was like this is this doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense to me these dudes are millionaires like green day was like the only band that got a pass and like they got a big pass like i was like this is the band like you know green day to me was like in my head i was like this band didn't even have a choice they just had to get famous because they're the best band in the world which i still feel like and my chemical romance i was like these dudes are just trying to be famous so it's like lame (laughs) you know like these like completely nonsensical uh uh paths of logic but but i as i've gotten older have appreciated what bands like my chemical romance have done like every cool younger it's not even that it's usually like i'm 33 it's usually like a 30 year old is like 
I love My Chemical Romance, and that's why I'm yeah. a punk. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I can always appreciate it's, it. Like, even like as we're getting older, I love like watching bands like the Menzingers or like all of our peers that are like becoming the new bigger pop punk bands. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, I love that. That gets me more stoked than anything. So like, as much as like I'm not rushing to hear like the albums when they come out, I'm also like so excited that it like still exists you know like in that yeah. way like yeah what's what's interesting though like when i think about like the menzinger side of it is that um it's like are there and it maybe it's just because like how time has progressed you know it's like i don't see kind of like what's the 22 year old version of that that blows up overnight and maybe it does exist it's just we don't recognize it because you kind of like latch on to a certain scale, yeah that you know but like what's that version? that part that you know? part is really confusing to me i definitely have felt like you know when we were in our early 20s there was like a really obvious to me there was like a really obvious like oh those dudes are old they don't go to shows anymore like like you just felt you really felt the like bitter like you guys are idiots for liking this music kind of thing as we're going to shows you know and like from them to us i mean and now i don't feel that way and like I definitely feel old. Like I definitely go to shows and I'm like, Oh, you guys are, you guys are doing whippets. I never did a whippet. I don't know what this is. Like I definitely am old. Don't get me wrong. But I also am like, I feel like there's a lot less pressure on me to be like bitter. And like, it's, I, I love seeing like young kid bands doing young kid shit. And it is like, I, I like as much as a lot of time I'm like, I don't understand this band, but like, I there's no like there's no like bitter like jadedness I think amongst like I still like I'm down to hear all these bands but yeah yeah like people that I know that are like let's say 10 years older than me the way that I have friends that you know it's like if the conversation even goes into like the last jawbreaker record like it's like they flash to like some Vietnam vet <laughs> kind of thing where there's this anger that they don't even understand why they still totally, have at totally. that point you know and then even it's like I brought up like Jets to Brazil, which I love, you know, and to a friend that's like 10 years older than me. And it was like their gut reaction was like, boo. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I I think like what you're saying, maybe if I'm right, is like I feel like people around our age, not everyone. No. <laughs> so maybe just me and me. <laughs> just um, total fucking nerds. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't. You know, I understand it because I actually kind of see how they would talk to me about, like, Dear You or whatever it is. And then I was like, it felt weird. So I never want to do that to people younger than Uh me. And it's not 100% that I haven't done it. But, (laughs) you know, I try and be conscious of it because I think it's, like, it's annoying to be that way. Totally. And it's, like, I do think there's probably, like, another level of the Internet being a big factor of, like, you get you have access to everything you know like the older people that were coming to shows when we were young like they only got they only knew 20 bands and so like to come to that show it's like you know or or i guess what i'm trying to say is like dear you to those older folks was a big big letdown because they only have like 20 bands that they can like look up to or like you know, it's like the one, I don't know. I just, maybe that, that, that makes it sound sad. Cause it's like, almost like was music or were like certain bands more important because they like were the only ones like creating the space or something, you know, like, 
Yeah, I guess you kind of you potentially because you had access to less, because yeah. um, it was like it was like when I was when I was a kid, like that point where I'm like trying to find out new bands and it, it wasn't super easy. I was just looking on, you know, CD Thanks list and it was like hopefully I'll come across Classic. this somehow because I have no money, you know. So it's like if you if you I guess push that into maybe their feeling, it's like then I kind of understand the kind of like where they're like jawbreaker. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think like, what is the word? Like I, all I can think of is like, there's the star Wars scene in like episode three where it's like, where uh, Obi-Wan is like, or, you know, it's like they're fighting at the uh, end and it's like, you let me down kind yeah. of thing. It's like, that's what I feel yeah. like they feel about jawbreaker. Totally. And it's like, dude, it's a fucking, yeah. Man. Yeah. But yeah. it is like, but it's it, it almost. I'm I'm like for some reason what's popping into my head is like athlete comparison. Like back in the day, you had like Michael Jordan, and you had a lot of like smaller like people that weren't as good as Michael Jordan. Whereas now, I do think there's like a lot more of like a like a fun aspect to like. There's just a lot more access to all sorts of athletes. So like people are like stoked on soccer stars, or like they're stoked on like you know, all these different levels of like, but if you just had Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan came out one night and was just like, so bad, you would just be like, I don't, I'm so mad at this guy. <laughs> this, Yeah. That is weird that like around that time frame, and I guess it's the internet, like we're saying, um, it's like it created superstars yeah, yeah. and then they were like sub superstars, but it's like, then some people were, which is still a big player. Like some people were mugs. Yeah. Bugs. Yeah. You know, and then some people were Patrick. Well, Patrick Ewing was pretty big, but Patrick Ewing wasn't Michael yeah. Jordan. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, and Charles Barkley might have been under, but that wasn't Michael yeah. Jordan. And I, I feel like there's a leveling yeah. that happens now with every kind of entertainment. Yeah. The the analogy works better if I think about like their personalities too. Like if Patrick Ewing came out and said like, uh, like I don't know, I'm not gonna come up with an offensive joke, but something offensive. And everyone, it would probably make the news and people would be like, damn, I can't believe he said that. But if Michael Jordan said it, it would be like a huge fucking deal. You know, like it'd be like, damn, that dude that we all worship really let us down, which I think was the case with bands at the time. You know, like Weston or Screechy Weasel put out a bad album and people are like, eh, that's fine. I'll wait till their next one. But Jawbreaker, it's like, God damn, you guys were the Michael Jordan. And this is like some mainstream bullshit. Plus, it was a time when yeah, they yeah. really people were really fearing like losing their favorite band to mainstream bullshit, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like I would, it's like if I were given essentially an RCA contract now or DGC, you know, then I I would just yeah, take let's, it. You let's, know, it's like I'm an adult let's get enough, those. To, like, <laughs> you know. But it's like they weren't. When you look back at the economics of it all, and then the fact that like. It's like a one seaweed record that was on Hollywood Records it wasn't on streaming for yeah. ever up until like a year or two yeah. ago, and if you called anyone at like Hollywood Records, they didn't know it existed. Like you were saying, even with this Oscar yeah. record, um, you know, it's like they barely know it's there. And Epitaph is an yeah, yeah, Hollywood Records, which is DreamWorks, I believe. The only other thing I want to I want to point to is like when I think about the jawbreaker thing, I have one older friend who's talked to me about it. And he said they used to, every time jawbreaker released an album, they would all get together and listen to it together as like a group of 10 people. And that did have me like another level of like, Oh, like back in the day, like bands were such a bigger deal. And like records were such a bigger deal of like, 
you know, it's the only way you can hear it. And you're all sitting around, listen to it because you're like, we've been waiting for this for years. And like, it's such, I don't know. It's just a lot more of a special thing back in the day. Whereas, yeah, I guess what I was kind of mentioning, the, the economics of it, you know, like with bands kind of getting screwed over and like things going out of print, totally. people were kind of right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. But it, but it's also like jawbreak. It's like corporations need to bear the brunt of that critique more than like jawbreak. Totally. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like getting mad at your friend for getting rich. Mm-hmm. As if he's Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like your friend is closer to you. <laughs> your friend is two tragedies away from yes, you. Totally. Yeah. You know? It's like he's not Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's like DGC is to blame for those type of things in corporations in general, for sure. multi, you know, global corporations. As this becomes a crass song, for sure. <laughs> you know, like it's it's more of yeah. that than like being like. Dear you, poo poo, or totally, something. yeah. Dear poo poo, yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. That's a weird thing that exists that I'm not thinking about till now. That like artists, it's so funny because all you want to do is support your favorite artists, but as soon as they have financial support, their art completely changes. So it is like a weird. It's just a weird thing you got to balance of like I want to watch all these bands get famous, but as soon as you have money, like your art is just going to change, you know? Like if you have the resources to put a full ska band behind your song, you're going to do it or whatever, yeah. you know? Like it's just interesting. I don't know. I think about that a lot with Against Me too. Is a classic band of like as soon as they had resources, I I loved it personally, but as soon as they had the resources, like their like sound and their vibe completely changed. Like it was like such a different band, but both both eras have like really special parts of it you know yeah i mean it's it's hard to i mean it's like those records sounded better you know whether or not like it kind of resonated with you you know um but yeah there was even a time i've talked about this on that against me episode where it's like i don't even know why i didn't really listen against me at that time but it felt like it was some sort of it was just some sort of pushback that i wasn't even totally about. totally you know it was like this is on a major label and sometimes i feel that way where when a when like any of our friends records come out and then i see a bunch of people only talking about let's say like a new drake record, <laughs> yeah and i'm like i'm not mad that people like drake but i'm like aren't your friends yeah. yeah you know and using that as a big umbrella could use your support more than us sharing machine totally Kelly. totally yeah. i so that's kind of where i feel like i get kind of embro- that's where i become the totally yeah it, yeah you know? i i agree with that i don't think it's like uh i don't think it's controversial to say that like machine gun kelly is not art as much as our friends are making art <laughs> you know like that's a yeah. perfectly fine thing to say it's definitely they're both forms of art but one of them is more art than the other one <laughs> for sure yeah yeah i mean it's listen to whatever you want but it's like drake's gonna be yeah fine. he's so he's gonna be fine <laughs> yeah. and yeah the song slap or whatever but it's yeah it's not yeah yeah i agree <laughs> so i guess then well i want to bring up like which you well your newest album is really great oh I yeah just, i listened to it thank a few you times i honestly since it came i out. totally forgot like why yeah. i'm here i was just like this is great i was like what album <laughs> what <laughs> oh yeah thanks so what dog hours came out like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that because this isn't going to come up right, go out right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. It came out sometime. It's out. <laughs> yeah, sometime. It's out now. So I guess with like looking at it, so Sprainer is Sprainer still a band? Uh, Sprainer and on paper, I think is still a band. No, oh, okay. uh, Sprainer is 
like there was a minute in our history there's been one time that we're like definitely not a band and that was like mm-hmm. a year long probably in like 2012 and then we came back and did the whole jade tree thing oh it's funny i actually listened yeah. to evan's episode and like talking about like dogs on acid and jade tree and like it was a funny like brain tickle thing for me because like i was there the whole time and like as you guys were like what happened with this i was like eh. i'm like listening to the episode like that <laughs> i know how it happened um so if you want to break into that i'm happy to do that i want i want to because um so i guess like what you're saying with sprainer though it's like it's almost like a band that will just exist forever that's definitely our goal there was like a minute where we were like let's go like we like broke up for sure and then we came back and we're like oh j tree is our favorite label of all time let's put a record on j tree and like keep this train moving man and then we kept the train moving for like three years and we're like i was personally like i'm so tired and like it was you know friendships were fraying and like just like i don't know and i i stepped back but when i stepped back it was like an understood like i'm stepping back maybe in literally maybe in 10 years we'll make an album but like let's chill for a while and just like learn how to be friends again essentially so i think that's where we're at now we all like jake i jake who's the base current bassist i fucking love and like see him as much as i can down in richmond and dose is like we're still like we've like lived the same life we've had the same job on and off you know blah 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 we just like are all friends but it's like i'll text them like twice a year like should we write an album like next week and it'll be like maybe and then we never do so i it's that's where it's at now and i think that's fine we'll play fest like every five times or whatever (laughs) every five years yeah i i think what's funny though when people uh maybe you have this experience i feel like as i've gotten older it's like the times between releases like get longer and then people are like what have you been up to yeah yeah and it's like we practice every week but it's like you know it's like our drummer has a kid yeah like you know it's like i'm just busy you know i have a like a career and stuff and it's like i'm fitting it in where i can but we're not 20 yeah exactly and it's not like (laughs) yeah sprainerd for me it's funny talking about the jawbreaker stuff because sprainerd for me personally is like such a that band is so specific to me of like being in a room with all my friends and like having a great time. So every time we play like a really big show, it like feels amazing, but also has this weird tinge of like, this isn't what this is. I'll just like never be able to treat that band more than like three friends making poop jokes. So it's like, it's really bizarre. Like it feels really weird to play a show for a thousand people at fest and be like, what are you guys doing? Like, I just am like confused. I'm like, we're literally up there like being idiots. I, that's how I'll always feel. And I want it to stay that way. I'm like, I want this. That's, I mean, that's even like, well, with Oscar, I think the comparisons too, like, it's like, I see Oscar comparisons when I listen oh, to sure. Sprainerd. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think about it in terms of like your songwriting, but even like if we, you know, mentioned Jawbreaker again, these do feel like bands that it's like no one in their mind thought they would have existed on the scale that they Mm -hmm, would, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I mean, Oscar never had that opportunity, but I feel like there still is a chance. Like, it's like, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a riot fest Oscar. Totally. Totally. Which is just insane. Riot fest. Like it's, yeah. Riot fest has more than money. I don't know what they're doing back there, but they do the craziest. I mean, it's probably just lots of money, but they definitely do some crazy shit where I'm like, what? How did they get these people to agree to this? Who is the, like, PR guy behind Riot Fest? I think, like, if you're doing something like Riot Fest, though, like, 
I don't know how rehearsals kind of work out, but everyone, I don't know, just do your homework on your mm-hmm. own. But it's like, how little would you actually have to interact with this totally. person that you probably don't really like? Totally, totally. I think Jawbreaker, I, yeah. I feel like the number was out there when, they, I think it was like a million dollars or something when they first got back together. So I get it. <laughs> it's like any yeah. of those do, like the Forgetters album didn't really take off. Like, I, I understand. <laughs> Yeah, and even like it's like to think about because it's was it like a million when they put out like Dear You? It's like, you know, or whatever that amount was. You know, it's like when you well split that three ways. Yes. You add a yeah, three piece. Like, do right? a three it's piece. Like, <laughs> yeah, do a three. Well, it, it's better, but it's like it probably, you know, it, I mean, I I'd take a million split three ways yeah. any day, so I don't want to <laughs> complain about it. It's like when people complain about. It's like, well, you know, when you win the lottery, you know, half of it's gone for taxes. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, motherfucker, I wasn't going to have that money to begin with, so why am I complaining? Why would you it? say like, anything negative about winning the lottery? <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to only give me 250000 at the end of it? It's like, well, I think it is kind of weird that, you know, 75% tax, which isn't real. I'm just throwing numbers yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. But it's like, I didn't have 75000 to begin yeah. with, so <laughs> Let me just have it's all some. up. <laughs> Um, yeah. So. So. Yeah. But, but I guess going back into the yeah, yeah, tree, Jay tree it, baby. Yeah. Uh, Jay tree. I listened. Yeah, I listened to that. I don't know how you want to tackle it, but I listened to that episode and Dogs on Acid. Also, I'll say that record is maybe my favorite record of all time. That record to me is like a per- perfect, yeah, perfect record. Um, but it was a really funny, weird time where like Jay Tree, like. I for me J Tree was like everything like that was like my label growing up yeah. like and they were based in Delaware which like I have this funny affinity for Delaware as well which I just have a lot of family from there but like I've always been defending Delaware my being in the Philly area being like you guys don't even know that it's like this special little place half an hour away uh yeah. but the whole thing was like amazing so when they got they like started doing stuff again there was like funny conversations where before we met, before Sprainer had even met with them, I was like, we're saying yes. It was like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, cause we all kind of knew we were like, who knows if this album will be like our last album or whatever. And we were like, so we're just going to say yes. And then to watch it completely fall apart was such a bummer. <laughs> and there's just yeah. like, yeah, it was just a weird time. And like the dogs on acid thing, I, I know that they were in the same boat. Like they were like, we were hanging out with them all the time. And like, Jay tree was doing shit where like us dogs on acid spirit of the beehive, which they were supposed to put out would like get together at like the office and just like have drinks and like hang out. And I was like, there was a, there was a brief window where that was like the coolest thing going on. Cause it was like, they moved their office to Philly. They got all the like current Philly bands to like be a part of it. And it was like this really cool thing happening. And then it stopped. <laughs> well, what do you think? Cause I don't, I don't remember if I really got into the specifics of it. What do you think happened? Was it just an overextension? I think it was an overextension. I think, I mean, I'm not going to air their laundry too much. There's like stuff. There's definitely like, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely been like some concrete evidence that I've been told by like, I don't think by them, but people close enough that I'm like, I believe that. But I think there was a few bands. So they like, you know, they, they signed us, they signed dogs, they signed spirit of the beehive. And then the Spirit of the Beehive album didn't happen. And I think it did. I think they released them before it even came out. Or, but I'm sorry, they released Spirit before that the label like dissipated. Like, but I'm pretty sure, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that they had a couple opportunities to sign fairly large bands at the time. 
and just didn't want to like put up the money for it, which I understand they were like, you know, just figuring shit out again. But then I think the represses really hurt them. Like they were kind of investing a ton of money into these like promise ring represses. And I think what they do, they Mm -hmm. redid jets, I think. Um, But they were doing a ton of represses and then kind of like, I think just hit a financial wall of like, it's a different landscape. You know, I think they were like, Oh, this is not like the, we're going to sell a million records of our, you know, nineties golden era. So I think there was just kind of like money mismanagement and then it kind of like, and time, it it was definitely time too. like Tim and Darren both worked full time and them trying to like balance all of it. But I, I, I don't fault them. Like I think both of them were like super excited. I never felt like they were just kind of fucking around or whatever. I think they were both very excited and like stoked to, to like make Jade tree a thing they could focus on again, you know? But then mm-hmm. it just didn't didn't work. I think it was just like mismanagement that I don't fault them on. It just was like a shame that it couldn't work out. But there was a minute, dude, where it was cool. <laughs> like, yeah, it was. I remember it's like with being like friends with all the dogs on acid guys, um, just like, hey, can you send my oh, record yeah. to, uh, like, you know, and that there, we played a show with uh, dogs in Philly and uh, it was like, you know tim or darren i can't remember which one was there and i was like hey here's a here's hell a yeah dude that's uh, cool you know and like just was like being on j tree was like what he wanted like it's like it's just made, made perfect logic well that's what's for everything that's what's so funny because <laughs> you know as like a fan of it like there was a big lull period where they like you know were doing like they were doing like strike anywhere and paint it black which was actually like my biggest j tree era but then they kind of like faded down for a while and we're just doing like mail order, not really doing new releases. And it's funny because in that time, that was like the first five year Sprainer was a band. J tree really wasn't a label. And I was sending them demos all the time. And it was like, like, you know, they were a small operation where it was like one person in a room that they probably paid minimum wage, just like sending out records. And I was still sending them demos like, um, I don't know if you're going to do any new records, like at a time where that w- as a band, that wouldn't have been a wise business decision, <laughs> like putting it out yeah. with our friends would have been smarter, but I was still like, fuck, I just wanted to put a record out with you guys, you know? So yeah, that like I, if, if I think about it now, it's like still like having the J tree logo on it with, even if they were like, you know, we're not really going to do yeah. anything for you. I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll that's a hundred percent what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like we, I like on the phone, it was like a funny Darren, like when we were meeting with them, was like, so like, let's go out to dinner. Where do you guys want to go? And I was like, can we go to this diner in Delaware that I like? And he was like, what? (laughs) He was like, you know, it's like I got the bill, you know, kind of situation. And I was like, I don't care. I was like, I just I was like, we're going to say yes, dude. It was just me being like, give us money for recording. But this this is a done deal. We'll be the easiest band. (laughs) Yeah. Even though that 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 feels like there's like a nostalgia ability into that. It's like meeting the yeah, yeah. Jade tree guys like at a diner feels like more in line with yeah. what they would have. It was me. It was me peak. romanticizing everything. You know, it's the same shit. Like it, yeah, it was just me trying to pretend like it was the nineties, like a late nineties. cosplay. Exactly. exactly. That's my whole life, dude. My whole <laughs> life is late nineties cosplay, <laughs> but yeah, I wish, oh. I wish them. I wish they did. I wish it was handled better, but now it's owned. Epitaph owns the back catalog, like, mm-hmm. and they still put the like J Tree logo on stuff. Which, for my like caveman brain, I'm like that could mean that they'll put more records out some point. I don't know. I don't think. 
Well, I don't yeah. think I bet. I think where that's really interesting is they have some stuff in their back catalog that, like, I think J Tree was supposed to do. I hope I don't get the the label wrong on it because I know they change labels, but it's like Swizz mm-hmm. represses yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, so does that mean Epitaph will eventually do a Swizz repress? Yeah. And that's like really high up on, you know, because it's not like a lot of it's just not even on streaming, yeah. which is really it's strange. in It's definitely yeah. in a weird spot now where my friends will text me and be like, can I get a copy of Mabel? Like our, our Sprainer's last record. They're, they're like, I can't find Mabel on the Internet. And I'll have to like dig through Epitaph's website to be like, it is available. <laughs> like I'm like, it's on it is on the website, but you have to mm-hmm. like dig for it. And I'm like, OK, it's. You know, it's in a weird. It's back. It's back to the Jade Tree I knew for a few years, which was just like hard to find info and like hard to find the order button. But it's there, it's still yeah. out there. Yeah, I was I was wondering if all of those, uh, most of their catalog, I believe, is still up on streaming, just like you're saying, like owned by Apple. Yeah, now. it's there. So we'll see. I think there probably will be a period of time where they're like, let's. They're definitely going to be like, let's repress a bunch of these. But I wonder if they'll ever be like, let's make Jade Tree like a thing. It's just sitting there essentially mm-hmm. for them. So yeah, you'll get um, Sprainyard will get signed to Epitaph, yeah. but they'll be like, "We're gonna put the J Tree logo." <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. That's like, and you're like, I. Okay. That's a that sounds like a fun thing. I always romanticize Bouncing Souls story where they're like, they went to Epitaph, being like, "We're gonna do this on Chunk Saw, but like, will you guys like do it?" <laughs> you know, like it was essentially like we don't want to be on epitaph but like can you like be the label <laughs> I'm like yeah can you give us epitaph money but visually? which i think they did which yeah. probably worked out very well for epitaph <laughs> uh i mean if all the money is still epitaph it's like you know sometimes i feel like putting i mean i run a label but, you know putting your logo really big on things um it feels like an totally ego yeah thing. it's very bizarre you know uh to the point of um uh, no one will know this, but there was a record where someone was like, don't put the logo on the back. And I was like, that's weird. I want to put the logo yeah, on that's the back. A... So instead, on the beast, on the kind of like the insert on the, it was like a one-sided insert, but on the other side, I just put the logo as big as I could on the insert. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's full-size insert on the, you know. Yeah, uh, as long as you can make it, like, as long oh, as right. you can make it yeah. funny, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they were like, that was a choice, you know. <laughs> But, that was you know, a choice. You know, I didn't put it on the back. That was a choice. You know? <laughs> um, so I guess like going into thinking about like the transition from, I guess I can't really say transition since Brainerd's still a band, but I guess the transition from Brainerd into Big <laughs> yeah. Nothing, like like how did that come about or how do you think like it kind of, your songwriting changed? Yeah, that's a, uh, let me, how do I say this in a few words? Uh, Brainerd stopped uh, and then, like I feel like I moved to, f- actually no, I still lived in Delaware. I moved to Delaware after Sprainerd stopped for like two years. You were really into Dude, this whole day for you worship. Love it. I love that. Uh, I definitely was. I think I lived like near them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to. I was living in Delaware, but like hanging out a lot with Matt Quinn, who's the guitarist in Big Nothing. Um, we were just hanging out more and more, and like talking about bands talking about trying to write stuff i always go through phases where i stop a band and i want to be like who am i outside of being in a band but as i've gotten older i've like <laughs> learned to never do that because it's just like i i just go insane i can't handle not being in a band or at least having like a creative songwriting output of some kind um so sprainard stopped and then i was like chatting a lot with matt and we tried a couple things we almost we almost started a band with jeff bolt from uh swearing and yeah, yeah. uh 
we did a couple of practices where we were like, nope. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Liz, the bassist, who's like an old friend, she hit me up being like, she just had like a breaking point one day where she was like, I need to be in a band like today. Like, can you practice like tomorrow? And Chris, who I had just met at a party like the day before, I was like, actually, yeah, I think I have a drummer that we could jam with like tomorrow. And so we did that. And then Matt heard about that band and was just like, I hate you guys. I'm be- I'm in that band now. So it was like a very was, and Matt and Liz worked together. So it was just like a funny like he was like, no, I'm 100 percent jealous. And now I'm in the band. <laughs> so that I love that. That feels like almost like when like just kids. Start yeah, a band exactly. Now, yeah. It's like you're over Dude, there. totally. Which is important <laughs> to me for us to like. I mean, that's the beauty of Philly, too, is Philly is always just like everyone sees each other every day. So it's just this weird thing of like, what's your new band? Like I'm in that band now, <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a fun little vibe, but big nothing when we started was trying to be super chunk. Like for me, it was like, I just wanted to be super chunk. I was listening to majesty shredding like every day and just being like, why don't they do this every time? You know, I was like, I want this album every single time. So that our first like 10 songs, we were just trying to rip that and like uh super drag as well. A lot of super bands. But that was more of our vibe of like, let's just do like, you know, early 90s. It's weird that that whole era is like this weird. I guess what continues for Big Nothing is like, I want to do when you hear a radio song and you're like, is this pop punk? You know, like there's like Super Chunk is a pop punk band, you know, but for some reason they're not. And I'm like, how did this happen? Because they are a fucking pop punk band. But it almost, yeah. I would like equate Super Chunks records a lot of the time to Oscar Idol Kill. I'm so good at podcasts, dude. Just bringing it back. Yeah, um, but it. I would equate those. Those are similar albums where it's like, to me, it's clearly a pop punk influenced album, but it also is like weird enough that like pop punk kids probably, you know, like, like Ramon's kids would probably be like, I don't like this. Like, I don't get this. Like, it, it's, yeah. you know, off the wall enough. But that was like, Big Nothing's focus is like, yeah pop punk kids trying to do anything but pop punk <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah that's i mean that's probably been like my struggle with writing as a whole it's like i feel like i can't yeah. write anything without it going into some kind of melody which really i would say pop yeah punk. totally but, totally you know it's like it's like anytime i was in like fast punk bands like if i had any hand in writing it was you know always totally yeah even for me you know it's yeah it's just there's a lot of like really great philly like like d beat bands right now like the philly like west philly punk scene like spiky jacket punk kids are like really doing cool cool shit but it is like i find myself being like the ones i really love are the hooky ones like even if it's not a melody it's the ones that like have that minor threat style like but but like the as long as you can hook me in like that's uh, that mm-hmm. that part will like never leave me so it's like a weird thing where i can try and not be pop punk but i'll always want the like hook and the melody for sure but yeah yeah i i try and like kind of because i feel like i probably hit that point in my life where i was like i'm so over pop yeah, punk and totally. then, you know it's like but you're always like coming back and oh i way. still you know i like still put the ones that resonate totally resonate, yeah you know? and i still i'm like as yeah. i'm getting older trying to accept that that's just like my shit for sure you show me like 90s skate punk pop punk band i'm like yep this is my favorite music (laughs) but it is funny like that's big nothing with the new album i like i'm not singing on it at all and that was like a really conscious decision because i also don't believe in myself to not sound pop punk i'm like i only know how to sing like oscar so it's like 
I stepped back and now this is the first album we've done where like a couple folks are like talking to me being like, I don't really see, are you, I, you guys are like punk guys. I don't really see the like punk thing. I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> you don't know how much of a compliment that is. Yeah. I think like one thing that I've, I've done with like songwriting that kind of does like sort of take it a little bit more out of like pop punk is like, it's like you almost try and remove yourself from the equation. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like, you know, existential, but it's like when you kind of step back from and let the kind of song serve itself totally. more, I feel like you kind of get away from some of those kind of things. Like even with this Oscar record, it feels like, and I wish this existed. If there was an idol will kill like compilation yeah. album, that's almost, you know, there's like a Daniel Johnson sure. one where everyone does it. And it's like, these songs are ripe for, and, and I wouldn't say that they're hundred percent would be better, but it's like, you could do your own version. Yeah, of it, totally, you know? totally. And so it'd be interesting to hear. But I think like because there's so much like bare bones songwriting there, that allows it to be expressed in so many different mm-hmm. ways. So like kind of when you take yourself out yeah. of it, I feel like you're able to kind of like push it. Totally, dude. Wait, it's kind of a hard thing to explain. Yeah. Like I, I told a friend that was, you know, right, kind of like it's the front man and his like country mm-hmm. band. It's like you know, almost like have a practice where like the band is playing, but you're not playing like acoustic, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like see how they respond differently to your songs. Sure. That gives it a little bit of sway. You know, that's no one ever asked for my advice. And I think that's the smartest <laughs> thing I've ever said <laughs> in songwriting. But that's, I think that's what starts happening. It's like, if you kind of start removing yourself, then you, your songs can go in directions that you didn't think. And I hear that in Big Nothing. Totally, man. I appreciate that. Cause that's exactly what I was doing. Like it was like, you know, the band fought me tooth and nail where they're like, no, you have to sing. Like I wrote, I fully wrote like two of the songs and then I had a hand in almost every song, like shaping hooks or choruses or whatever, you know? And it's like, they were like, you got to sing on this one. And even in the studio, like get in the booth, dude, like it's your turn. And I just like put my foot down. Cause I do think like my goal with big nothing is like that timeless Americana vibe of like, these songs that you can listen to forever. And I do for whatever reason, I don't think about it. I don't think about why, but like, I think Matt's voice is way more of like a timeless, like classic kind of voice. That's like not doing it's, I don't know. My voice is so unanimous with pop punk in my head of like how I learned to sing. And like Matt's influences are a lot more like, you know, straightforward based or whatever. It's like, I just think his voice has some sort of timbre that I'm like, this is way better for like a timeless vibe instead of like shouting from my nose or whatever, you know? I actually, I don't think I realized that you weren't singing on it because it's like, I'm not completely clear. I can tell when it's like a list yeah, song, yeah. but you know, it's like, I didn't, I don't think I realized till you told me that, that you weren't singing. I was like, Oh, Pat's doing something. And that's, ex- that's exactly, sense, that's the know? thing. I've had friends text me like, dude, your voice sounds great. I'm like, I thought, yeah, I was going to say you sounded great. <laughs> that's on this the thing, but which but. you, that's what at its core you realize, like, cause I'm sure you're similar where you've had these conversations ad nauseum of like, well, like what if you sing this part? And then we like, people are going to be, is there always like a conversation about like, that's going to sound weird. It's like, nobody knows or cares at all. Like you, nobody yeah. hears like, and if they do, they're just nerds and they'll think about it for five minutes, like me and you and be like, whatever, it's, I'm still going to listen. Yeah, I'm going to listen to this song still. So it's like, it's just such a weird thing. Like we talk so much about like who's singing what and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no one knows even it's like, you know, 
You listen to Teenage Fan Club. But doesn't that kind of tell you then that maybe in if that's true, mm-hmm. then like the next record or live, you should sing because if no one, because this could be a self-imposed kind of uh-huh. thing where you're thinking about it too much and oh, you're kind of doing the inverse of it. So like I would I would implore that maybe like since you have removed yourself, figure out. I I would say like I wonder what it'd be like putting yourself back in the equation. Some. Yeah, that's kind of where we're hitting a wall now because we're trying to play old songs live that I sing and I'm like, I'd really rather you guys sing it, but I'm like still doing it. So I think it's just going to be confusing now. But at the same time, I do. I just try and think of like when I see bands and say like you go to see Super Chunk. I don't think this is true, but the whatever the bald guy, <laughs> the bald guitarist in Super Chunk's name is, I think he does sing like one song or something like, you know, there's those bands where it's like, they have or Chris Novoselic sings like certain weird songs or whatever. You have like those bands yeah. where I'm like, okay, I that's fine by me. If you can have the one like thing where they're like, whoa, that guy's one song is really dope. <laughs> yeah, old ninety sevens does uh-huh. that. Um, I feel like when you go see them, it's like it's like a thing where it's like he takes, he kind of takes over for a second. You know, gives you because it's like really old ninety sevens is like the kind of main guy's yeah. thing, but it's like they give that dude like a little bit of time to yeah. shine you know which is interesting i always love bands that have like multiple singers sure like, even when you look at like to the the big extent of it like bands like sloan everyone sings in yeah the band, you know and it's like all five four or five members totally. of that band it's like have a have yeah. songs on their records uh-huh. you know like or the husker do you know kind of back and forth yeah. thing so i appreciate it when bands sing i do kind of wonder you know it's like does it hurt bands in a way? But we're also talking about bands that like, like, like Jimmy world size. If you're kind of like under that, or if you're of the size that I guess we'll say our bands are, I think what you said of like, no one cares that, but that's a good thing. Totally. You know, cause I think that, well, for for instance, um, when you all go to pick songs that you are to play live, do you do a thing where you hold back, unreleased songs or do you just play them when you feel like it? uh for the most part i think we play them when we want to but i'm curious too i don't know it's been a minute since we've had like completely unreleased songs but yeah. i know but yeah. yeah i feel like when we were on tour if we had a new one that we were loved we would do it but we also are like i feel like songs for big nothing songs aren't usually finalized till we're like in the studio so a lot of time it's like hard, but our first few years as a band, we were definitely just like, remember that cool jam we did? Let's do that. You know, like it wasn't yeah. that important, but yeah, I think that's funny when bands that like, just, you would know when you're this band, like, yeah. you know, when you're Menzingers or on your yeah, way, yeah. you know, but it's like when you're not like personally, we were putting together like a, a set for a show and we haven't played a show in a while and I don't really need to explain yeah, why. Yeah. <laughs> no one's really playing shows that much if they're just not on tour. Uh, so we were like, we can just play all new songs. Yeah. 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 And then, but you felt like a feeling of like, well, we got to play this one. It's so funny. Yeah. And it's like, no one fucking cares. (laughs) And if they do, it's like like, one person that's going to be like, what the hell? You know, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we talked about me not singing on this album so much. And I've seen one person online be like, what about Pat? And I'm like, see like one person. And I said like, I like wrote back like I, my throat hurts and they were like, haha. It's like, okay, like that's as far as it went, <laughs> dude. Like 
and I'm still a part of all these songs. You know, it's like a funny. We're so stupid. We're people in bands are so dumb. It's like at the end of the day, people just want to put on songs that are great. You know, like that's yeah. it. It's not. We could get a new. I remember at one point, World is a Beautiful Place. Uh, blah blah blah. Uh, did we were touring with them and Sprainerd was, and I was like. What I'm trying to say is one time World Is replaced their singer and didn't tell anybody. Like, they didn't make an announcement. They didn't, like, tell the internet. And nobody knew. Nobody even knew. It, like, it was so funny. And they were a huge band at the time. And they, like, replaced their singer, who I think is still the current singer. And it was just, like, that's it. (laughs) No one even knew. Like, I was, like, that's not the guy we met 10 years ago or whatever. And they were, like, nope, that's a new dude. You know, yeah, like, that's like a funny thing. Like, um, and I, I wonder if they had this feeling in Oscar. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, like there's a little bit more going on on the record. You know, like even if it's like kind of bare in, in comparison. But like, I wonder if they had that feeling, like, oh, we got to get another guy in yeah. the band. But it's like that truthfulness of like, you really don't have to. I mean, if you can play the song, it's like when you, it's like you put organ on a record, like gotta Dude, get an organ yeah. player. Yeah, it's like you don't. It's funny because that's what that's kind of the direction Big Nothing was heading. Like writing these songs, we were like adding shit because this was the first time we wrote like separately. Usually, it's like we do it punk style of like we're in a room and we just have a riff. And this was like let's make demos on our own, flesh them completely out, and then send them to each other. And there was a lot of organ. I was doing like a ton of like Mellotron stuff, and I was legitimately like shopping for mellotrons like every day like well okay we gotta do this and then when we finally got back together to like play our like dumb young punk selves like kicked in where i was like it sounds sick just like loud i'm like we can just do the you can just do these songs loud and it's like i think tenement is a great band that does that where it's like their albums are like so fucking weird and you have no idea what's going on and then when you see them it's a three-piece being so loud and it's like wow i love I've seen them as I think a five. Oh yeah, they did do the dusk like crossover thing. It's like you didn't have to because it's like then after that I saw you know ten minutes three piece again and it's like they're different things and it's cool but it doesn't have to be. I I I like when the live interpretation can be a different. I know as as much as like that's a silly. I mean maybe it's not, but they they influenced me a lot. They taught me a lot about being in a punk band where I was like there were a couple sets I saw ten and I loved. Like I Napalm Dream, I was like, this is the best music I've ever heard. I'm obsessed. It's it's, with it. it's yeah, a still. perfect record again. But damn, we should have done that one. Um, but it, <laughs> but it uh, I would go to see it live, and like the first time, I was bummed because like they played maybe two songs of it off of it, and then it was like seriously twenty minutes of feedback and him just like destroying his guitar, and I was like bummed. But then like a couple days later, I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like. It's just, they just taught me a lot about like the performance is a separate thing. You know, it's a completely separate thing. And like recreating the songs exactly as they are on the album is like the most boring thing you could do. Like, yeah, like we're not, we're not in Boston. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, you're not, you're not blue oyster. Totally, totally. People aren't coming to expect these things. I guess they kind of, we, we are saying we wanted to hear certain sentiment songs, but like, on that level it's like you can appreciate the yeah. performance and it's also know? like i do think i don't know this i'm not trying to like get too big you know ethereal with it but i do think like punk is really hard to define as we've gotten older and like it's even harder like i don't know there's nothing 
a lot of people could argue that there's nothing punk about the like bands we're in (laughs) you know like we like we write (laughs) a bunch of songs we like book shows with our friends and we play them in like really loud at late at night disturbing a bunch of neighbors and i'm like this is not like there's nothing radical about what we're doing so it's like the one small sliver we can kind of carve away is like let's make the performances like their own thing you know like let's make that the punk thing where it's like oh if you went to see blue oyster cult people would be pissed if they didn't play exactly how it sounds on the record so let's at least be different than that you know like why can't we just like fuck up live and be crazy and then make records a separate thing like that's a little bit punk (laughs) you know like that's a shred of like okay we are artists in this and not just like you know machines but it is hard i don't know then from a consumer standpoint sometimes i am like i saw mitski once and she was like a quiet three-piece and i was like fuck I want to see like loud, loud Mitski. So it's like, eh, yeah. you know, we're all idiots. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like as I let you go and I appreciate you for the time, uh, where can people find you? And I guess if you want to talk about the new record. Yeah. Um, Big Nothing it just released Dog Hours on Lamo Records and you can find it on the internet. <laughs> uh, I always, uh, these podcast tags are always funny because it's like, go here. I'm like, dude, it's just the internet. Go to... <laughs> Go to Google and type in Big Nothing Dog Hours. And um, uh, I guess I'll just shout out Lamo and Philly, like, as both separate entities, but the same. Like, Lamo is a great label based, technically based in Philly. And uh, they've been doing a great job and, like, are the biggest sweethearts and super stoked on the record and what they've been doing with it. And thanks to James, the PR guy. Guys, I'll give behind the curtain, dude. Some labels hire people to like promote your record. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's, it's very sweet of James to do that. And yeah, uh, what else? Philly is the best. I feel like more people than ever are moving to Philly to start bands now, which I didn't think would be a phrase I could say ten years after the fact that people started doing yeah. it. So uh, Philly's so sick. Thank you to Philly. Thank you to Lamo and Big Nothing Dog Hours. We're the best band in the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, man. This was great. Also, yeah, big shout out to you, Josh, because this is like, this is a great podcast. A lot of the time, like people adjacent, I'm like, I'll check it out. And the podcast loses me. But I was like, this is a genuinely sick podcast. Like, especially getting folks. I love hearing folks that like, we're in a scene where it's like, you know, I think about folks like Gus or Anika, who I'm like, in the, in my eyes, those are like popular people in our scene. But you don't get to hear them like interviewed or talk very much we're in like a weird little scene where I want to hear like celebrities talk, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's celebrity levels in our scene that I'm like, Oh shit, that's sick. They got this person that I haven't heard their thoughts on besides like, thanks for coming to the show. (laughs) Yeah. Anika and Evan's episode was awesome. And like just hearing all these folks, James, big shout out. Yeah. James. That episode's fun. (laughs) He's a good podcaster. Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. Sick podcast. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks again to Pat for coming on the pod. Don't forget to check out the new Big Nothing album, Dog Hours, out now on Lamo Records. Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with my friend Michael Donnelly of Twin Peaks Sessions. It's a video series of live stripped-down performances in San Francisco. We talked about Ceremony's 2010 album, Ronert Park, so tune in next time. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. 
And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpinningOutPod. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Purdy Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>